Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 778. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA preview for the weekend coming up. Special one. Noche. UFC. Should we do the whole show in Spanish? What do you reckon, mate? You've been si. doing your Duolingo. Si, senor. Duolingo. Let's get in there, man. Mm-hmm. Si, si, senor, dos cervezas. That's all, that's all we've got. Right. Anyway, it is, of course, a preview for this weekend's UFC action, which is coming to you from the T-Mobile Arena in a celebration of Mexican independence. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us here at the Fight Disciples. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Head there now. Loads on there. Spotify, Google+. Plus. You name it. We've got everything, mate. We've got everything. Get in there. Whatever, however you want it in your ears, you can have it. And if you want to see it in your eyes, uh, you can do as well by heading to YouTube. Fight Disciples is uh, what we are on YouTube. Thank you so much if you've already subscribed to us. Uh, we've just gone over 30,000 subscribers. I know that's not a lot in the full remit. Uh, but if you can help us out and keep subscribing and get it up to 40, get it up to 50, that'll be even better. Let's grow this community and let's have uh, conversations day by day, week by week on all things fight sports. Uh, there's a good Come on, run. follow us on YouTube, you gang of twats. Everyone <laughs> listen to this now. If everyone listening followed us on YouTube, subscribe yeah, to us nice. on YouTube. We'd have one of them gold discs, whatever. We'd have what... fucking, yeah, Mr. Beast would be ringing us, asking how we get followers. That's what that one. It's, our, it's astronomically different how many of you listen and watch. Now, don't get me I... wrong. No, I, I think get it comes it. down. I think it I comes down. It. I'd how rather they listen to us this. than yeah. look at us, to be totally honest. Because look at the state of him. You know what I mean? I get it. But it wouldn't kill you just to press subscribe and never watch us. Put us on in the background. That's I know that's what a lot of people do. Press play on their phones on YouTube and then put the phone away or even turn your phone over. I don't blame you for doing that. But, you know... Got to, got to service these advertisers, haven't we? We've got to make sure we get... Because we've never charged you the penny, kids. And that will never change. That's the ethos of this channel. We are whoa, not the whoa, type whoa. of people... You can't do that. You can't you can't be making predictions of what's going to come in the next five years. That's what they did at The Zone, didn't they? Pay-per-view's oh, dead, true. kids. That's pay-per-view's true, dead. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, well, pay-per-view's well and truly alive. You never yeah, know how exactly. this market is going to change. What we'll say is that we won't charge you today. Right, yeah. and we haven't charged there ain't going to be no Patreon today. That's, That's all it. I'm going to say. And there hasn't Next been week, for the last eight different. years. <laughs> <laughs> See what the bank manager says. But no, we don't pay. Listen, we haven't Patreon this show. We've got no media plans this week to Patreon this show. 
at least you can do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. Come on. Canal. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Listen, it's free. Hit the button, man. Hit the button. Anyway, um, what um it's been a long time coming, this. I'm surprised that they've not done this previously, but I suppose obviously it's all coincided with the boom of Mexican MMA, with mm -hmm. Mexican MMA fighters becoming champions in the UFC. It's all just intertwined nicely to have a celebration uh, this weekend of Mexican independence. And literally piss all over the chips of Canelo Alvarez because this is his weekend in uh, Las Vegas. This is what normally what? happens. Was. And now the UFC what? have come along and said, nah, mate, I'll tell you what, we're going to throw a show. Uh, we're not going to put it behind a paywall for uh, our American audience or anybody else in around the world. It's just going to be a standard fight night. We're going to sell tickets uh, to the T-Mobile and we're going to put on a world title fight on a fight night. Eh? Boom. Boom. This is how we want it, baby. This is how we want it. And when you actually go down this card, this competes with some of the pay-per-views, mate that have come our way this year. Um, I know that there's been a few fight fans out there that have complained about some of the level of, uh, of card this year. This is up there with some of the best. This is a really, really good card. Good title fight. Obviously, a bit of Mexican flavour throughout the card as well to keep people happy for the locals yeah. to come and, uh, uh, um, and watch their heroes. I'm excited about this, man. I'm excited about this because... The main event is obviously a rematch. I didn't foresee what was going to happen in the first fight. And I'm looking forward to see what the response is from Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, I think as a card itself, I think it's had the Shavkat fight stayed on. Oh, mate. It's it would have been. Honestly, you'd have had Canadian fans crying into the fucking crying into the maple syrup over it because it would have been right up there with 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 any pay per view. Obviously, losing Shavkat versus Gastelum is tough, but the co-main events, Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena, is fucking super intriguing and super interesting fight because Della Maddalena last time out suddenly looked a little bit mortal. And Kevin Holland is a fucking superhero. So anything could kind of happen there. But yeah, listen, of course, it's all about the main event because it's Mexican Independence Day weekend. You've got Alexa Grasso making the first defense of her world title, the first ever UFC champion female from Mexico. Said that awfully long, a bit. <laughs> yes, way to say that. Absolutely. Without, without, the first ever Mexican UFC women's champion. There you go. There you go. Structure. It's all about structure. Um, and her newfound fame, popularity, position in this sport has meant that Canelo Alvarez, the biggest star in boxing, has been bumped a fortnight to allow her to be the main event on Mexican Independence Day weekend. I can't get across to you how big and significant that is for Alexa Grasso, for Mexican MMA, for Las Vegas, and the way they see not only the UFC's position once again, but more importantly, women's MMA and what it brings. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be an insane week this week or weekend, mm. sorry I should say, in Vegas. Because did you see all the headlines yesterday? Someone tried to um hack into the MGM's computer system. And the MGM's computer system failed yesterday in Las Vegas. So every hotel related to the MGM wow. area. Mandalay Bay, MGM Grand, 
fucking there's about Park. eight of them in there. Yeah, there's loads around. MGM there, yeah. Park. Every single one of them, every key card failed. The computer systems all went down. Fuck. Like there was, there was people going into hotel rooms with keys, and it wasn't their hotel room. Keys were working for all the hotel rooms. Complete and utter fucking chaos. And they, they were reckon like the police were brought in and everything. You reckon the same thing happened last year? I was reading this was in the Las Vegas Gazette because I'm t- intrigued by all this shit. The same thing happened last year, but they threatened Caesar's Palace. Apparently, these hackers threatened Caesar's Palace, and unofficially, reportedly, Caesar's Palace paid 15 million to stop the hackers doing what they did at the MGM. They just went, "Yeah, this dog, fuck off, leave us alone." Basically, they were they were ransomed for it. Whether it's the same people, whether it's the same organization, how true all that is, I don't know. I just read it today in the uh, Las Vegas Gazette. But obviously, someone's hacked MGM, and the fucking boof. You reckon it could take a week, maybe two, for it to sort itself out because reboot the system and all that. I'm like, man, that is fucking insane. Wow. Throw that in. Throw Mexican Independence Day weekend in, which in Vegas is a fucking big deal. Yeah. And it's gonna be a chaotic week but you know what if you're there if you're right amongst it right now it just adds to the fucking Chaos. superbness of fight yeah. week in vegas don't it shit like that what? just adds to it yeah but what what's the benefit to the hackers of doing that what do you mean they got 15 million off caesar's pass yeah yeah but but they didn't get 15 million off mgm did they no, but next time they ring MGM next year or a different hotel, they'll go, ah, yeah, it's us again. You've seen what we did last time. The price has gone up, much. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the fucking thing. So, yeah, mate, just go out there and arrest. Who was in that movie? Fucking Brad Pitt's yeah. Ocean's Eleven or whatever. It's all Clooney. Them yeah, get all them. Fucking lock them up. Get Clooney off his... Boat in Italy, Lake Como, whatever. He's sitting there in Lake Como with his laptop. Just bring him down to Wales. Get him in the back of a van. You know that that's sound. just a fil- that's just a film, yeah. It's not real life. Please don't go and arrest George Clooney off the basis of him believing that Ocean's <laughs> Eleven was real. <laughs> right. Anyway, Grasso, 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 Grasso. Yes. Go on. Magnificent. In March, she was magnificent. I watched the fight back yesterday. And for an underdog to go in there and do that to Shevchenko, it was it was well, I was gonna say it was it was unique, it was lightning in the bottle, but actually we've just seen it last week in Sydney as well. That's how fucking good this sport is. It happens even to the very best. And Shevchenko is the very best. But I just thought Grasso in that first fight was just too sharp, too slick, one step ahead, and better. She was yeah. better on the feet. She was better on the ground. Intriguing. I don't think that happens again. You don't think it can, or you don't think it will? I don't think it will. Um, I agree with everything you just said about the first performance. Grasso was tremendous. Took me by surprise. We knew that And Shevchenko. Would... <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. We... Listen, Alexa Grasso's strength is on the feet. She's fantastic on the feet. Her ground game... Takedown defense in particular, you would look at that and you'd think, well, there's the keys to victory. That's the path to glory you would imagine for Valentina Shevchenko, who is, again, I test and given the history of UFC, you look at those two athletes and Valentina Shevchenko is, is better in, in, in that particular area. However, that wasn't the case 
uh, last time out. I thought uh, Grasso was cool, calm and patient on the feet. I thought she was good. Uh, I thought Valentina was quite sloppy at certain points, of which then led to the finish uh, where Alexa Grasso took her back and shorts her out. Now, I think every now and again, you need a bit of a rocket up your ass, don't you? We can all get complacent. We can all get ticking along. This is a little bit too easy. And I genuinely believe that I don't think she intentionally did it. I just think it was a natural cause of going through the motions with Valentina Shevchenko. She took the defeat incredibly well because that's what we expect from her. She's an elite champion. I think that she has been given a bit of a rocket. I think Alexa will be just as good this time around, if not even better because she's got the confidence of being the champion. She's got the confidence of beating the best person in the division. There's no doubt about that. But I think Valentina Shevchenko this time around, not only will be will she be super switched on and la- lasered into the, the, the process of winning this particular fight, but there's no way that you're going to see sloppy shit. I think she'll be very meat and two veg, mate. No diarrhea. There'll be no diarrhea from the bullet this weekend. No, I think it'll be very, very... Do you know, like Sean Strickland just did basics incredibly well. Mm-hmm. She's going to do basics incredibly well this weekend. There won't be any. If you look at that finish, it all comes off the back of Valentina doing this fucking ridiculous spinning kick, yeah. of which Grasso absolutely capitalizes on straight away. Bang, she's on the back, and then away we go, right? You ain't going to see that shit, mate. It's going to be straight stuff, lots of fucking very basic kickboxing, followed by there's going to be legit level changes because I still stand by the fact that Alexa Grasso's takedown defense is not the strongest. It isn't the strongest. Why would Valentina Shevchenko want to stand on the feet with her for too long and give her too many opportunities? doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Level change, dump her on her ass and go to fucking town on her. Simple. We've seen her do it to countless people in the past. With all due respect, better people with better ground games than Alexa Grasso. That is the path to victory. It was the path to victory last time out. It's the path to victory this time out. But I think we'll get it this time. I think Valentina Shevchenko will be back to a ruthless best this weekend. We heard a lot of the UFC about um, the pressure of being champion and holding on to the belt for a, a, a prolonged period of time. And how difficult it is, you know. We, we've seen it quite a lot in both the men's and the females divisions. And this was her ninth March fight with Grasso was Valentina's ninth consecutive title fight. It was a eighth straight defense, you know, over a over a very difficult t- period of time. Two thousand eight through to two thousand and two was fucking insane because the world got turned upside down and inside out. So you were fighting in front of crowds and not in front of crowds. And the, mm. the, the, that period of time of being champion was just insane. And also in that period of time, the quality of their performances led to conversations, myself included, saying she's, oh, technically now she's the best female fighter in the world. She's the number one. She's the best thing on the planet. Obviously with, with uh, Amanda Nunes stepping away last year, that was universally recognized and she was promoted to number one. Hence the reason why Alexa Grasso was now recognized as the pound for pound best female fighter on the planet. Cause she, she beat the guy who was the guy. There's an element of Shevchenko potentially getting not bored, 
but the heavy is the crown. Do you know what I mean? And it and it just kind of weighed on her. And that performance, not even necessarily the Grasshopper performance, the performance before that, the Talia Santos performance in Singapore. With all due respect, Talia Santos, the level opponent that she's beaten much better people in much more concursive fashion. And yet she comes through this split decision in Singapore. She didn't look quite right. It was like she she was like staggered into that fight in March. It was co-main event to John Jones, but Shevchenko, you got best best fight on the planet, kids, male and female. Here we go. And the media was all over that, and the pressure was on that. And I don't know whether I'm making excuses for Valentina Shevchenko, but I just think it was like a the worst possible place for her to be in this position where it's rinse and repeat and the Nunes super fight, that's gone. She's retired. Oh, okay, then. I guess I'll just keep going. She staggers through a defense in Singapore. She lurches into March. She didn't look right. Like, Grasso's switch stancing just seemed to throw her off a lot. She kept her, oh, okay, okay, I'll reset then. Okay, I'll reset for Southpaw. And you're like, just do you, man. Why are you, you're overthinking it. And then she starts shooting for takedowns early in the second round. And I'm like, Valentina, man, you, you've you've given... It's like doing a waltz with someone and go, you lead. Nah, man, you're the fucking champ. You lead. You always lead. You dictate. And that doesn't mean you're on the front foot. You can dictate on the back foot. Usyk does it all the time in boxing. We see it a lot. But it looked like she handed Grasso the momentum for me in March, willingly or unwillingly. I just think it was the perfect storm for her to be found out. And also, it was the perfect storm for Grasso to maximize that opportunity. Back in March, she's rocked into Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, UFC 284 or 285, whatever it was. John Jones is fucking fighting in the main event against Cyril Gann for the heavyweight title. Everyone wants a piece of those guys. Alex, she's the best female on the planet. Everyone meets a piece of her. Your Alexa Grasso, little Alexa Grasso from Mexico on a good run of form. Ah, yeah, that's the latest scale Shevchenko is going to get, who Shevchenko is going to swade through. Her, her media commitments would have been minimum. I know she does a lot with, she does like commentary for uh, UFC in, 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 in Spanish and all that. I get that, but her global media coverage necessarily wouldn't have been there. It was just like the perfect storm for that. And she comes in there and she produces a faultless performance. Fantastic. I just think. The settings this weekend are the polar opposites to that. The polar opposites, both in terms of Grasso and their position on the card and the the amount of media attention and commitments and the role she's got to play this week, Mexican Independence Day weekend. And then over here, you've still got, in my opinion, the best technical female fighter we may have ever seen in the sport with a rocket up her ass. That's what I think the situation could well be this weekend. If Grasso performs like she did in March this weekend, she's very, very special. Very special. It's a fight, man. Like you say, you want to see... There's always a question along the way, isn't there, of... We're currently going through it, I suppose, with Israel Adesanya. Maybe we've already had it with Israel Adesanya. The question that he was given against Alex Pereira. We sit it in the past with people like George Shapiro. The only person that's never been asked this question is John Jones, I suppose, isn't there? But there's always something. John jo- comes- don't forget, though, John Jones came through some fucking close decisions against second rate. With all due respect, I'm talking about John Jones's career body of work. The type of people he was 
edging decisions against at the end of his light heavyweight run are guys that he wouldn't have fucking oh, used yeah. as partners. What, what, no, what I'm saying he is just, he just got he away with it. He yeah, just maybe. got away with it and then went, fuck this, I'm going to heavyweight. I need, I need to fall in love with this sport again. And also John Jones, look at his career, like certainly later, latterly. He doesn't fight very often. He's not like he's fucking in there all the time. I think he yeah. goes away, forgets about MMA, lives his life, waits for the hunger to come back to compete until he can't stay away and then comes back. Whereas with Valentina and Israel Adesanya, it's rinse and repeat, it's rinse and repeat, it's rinse and repeat. And that's when it gets hard because you're stuck on this treadmill of fucking, yeah, you're the best, you're the queen, you're the unbelievable, you're the best female fighter we've ever seen. Shh. Next opponent, next opponent, next opponent, next opponent. And, it can, and, and I understand how that can bring a different type of pressure. And subconsciously, you might just go, like Nunes, fuck this, man, I'm tapping out, I've had enough. Yeah. Tapped out on a face crank, the bullets. It was a bad face crank, don't get me wrong. She's the fucking bullet. She ain't yeah. ever tapped out to a face crank in the gym in her life. Yet she did it in a main event of a title fight. Yeah. I'm fucking excited about this fight, man. I think it's brilliant, honestly. Listen, we've just talked up Shevchenko there, and I feel like we need to... <clears throat> and, we've, and we've kind of set... I, I, we've just painted the narrative of a pro-Shevchenko narrative. But I could easily paint a pro-Grasso narrative because let's look at her position. Upper flyweight, she's undefeated. She's looked fucking brilliant. She's suddenly become a submission machine. Two submissions in the last five fights. Never had a submission before. She looks strong at the weight. She looks confident. If if the last two fights are anything to go by, her first two five-rounders, she's fucking, like, blossomed as a championship-level fighter. Against Shevchenko, let's say, let's, uh, Excuse me, let's say for argument's sake then, that was the best Shevchenko in March. What if she was dialed in? What if she was ready to put on a show? What if she hadn't cut any corners because for everything I've just said, let's look at it the other way. She never misses a day's trainer. She's the fucking bullet. She travels the world with her sister and her sister's husband, their head coach, competing and training and sparring with the very best. She's a sponge. She's dedicated. She's got no interest in men. She's got no interest in getting married or starting a family yet because she's on this single-minded mission to prove to the world she's the best, most lethal, hand-to-hand combat female fighter walking the planet. So she was dialed in and she ran into a young Mexican girl there in her first title opportunity that was better in the two departments that matter in the stand-up. And then when her back was on the canvas, Alexa Grasso was better than Shevchenko. And guess what? Going into the fight, Grasso was saying it. She might have been even mentioning it. But she was looking in the middle of the night going, fucking hell, I'm fighting Valentina Shevchenko. I'm out my depth here. That ain't happening this time. This time she's walking in going, I've done it before and I can do it again. I felt totally confident on the feet. On the floor, you ain't a match for me. I was Even when she was, even when Valentina was, uh, was in her guard, she was competing really well, as she has done with everybody at flyweight. This could be Grasso going, oh, wait a minute. I ain't believing the smoke no more. I am that star. I am ready to become the truly the first lady of Mexican fight sports. I want the title. I want the mancha. I want to be the main event. Mexican Independence Day weekend. Fucking check this out. And she might go to the next level. And Valentina might come in well prepared and everything else. But it might just be the same fight as March. Maybe Grasso 
Is it kryptonite? Maybe Grasso is a fucking, you know, Chris Weidman to Anderson Silva. Maybe Grasso is just better and has moved the sport forward. We don't know. That's why I'm so intrigued about it. With a 10, 20,000 people in the T-Mobile, 20,000 Mexicans drinking fucking tequila, necking Pacifico Claras, fucking sombreros on, having the time of their lives, and she walks out. She's got to get 10%. She's got to get even more out of that. To go, yeah, these are my people. These are here for me. And if she starts the first round, like she starts the first round in March, her confidence is just going to go poof, through the roof. And she could finish Shevchenko again. That's why it's a great fight. Fucking hell. Are you on commission this week? Jesus Christ. Eh? What's going on here? Someone at TNT, you've been on to you going, Nick, need you to fucking smash the back doors out of it on Fight Disciples, sunshine. <laughs> we need to take advantage of this Mexican bank holiday weekend, lad. Go for it. Exactly. Exactly. You're all in. I'm all in. It's a great Listen, fight. Blessed this weekend, right across the globe, however you're consuming our show, because it isn't a pay-per-view and it is a world title fight uh, that has captured the, um, our imagination anyway, and I'm sure it's captured your imagination too, given the nature of what happened the first time round, the rematches on Grasso versus Shevchenko. Uh, Co-main event, yes, of course, slightly disappointed. No Shavkat uh, and no Kelvin Gastelum because that would have been amazing. Obviously, Kelvin Gastelum of Mexican heritage taking on the killer that is Shavkat Rachmanov. Um, it is what it is. Fingers crossed Shavkat can get himself a fight sometime soon because we want to uh, obviously see him out and about fighting. Great co-main uh, event replacement. Kevin Holland, Jacques Della Maddalena. Yes, of course, there's no Mexican heritage here. All right? Unless Kevin Holland's going to come out and say that he was born in fucking Tijuana or something mad, right? <laughs> because don't put that against him this week if he comes out with a sombrero on or, or what have you. But... You mentioned it there in the in the in the preview. Jack Della Madeleine has been brilliant up to a point. Last time out looked like you can get to him. Did look like you can get to him. Um, Kevin Holland has kind of gone the other way. He has been looked like you can get to him at middleweight. Comes down to welter. Looks really really good once again. And his last couple of performances, you know. He's looked like a proper... He's, he's, he's stepped away from that comedic character, if that makes sense. People have looked at Kevin Holland, oh, he talks the talk, he's done this, he's done that. He's the anytime, any place, any, any word guy. He's the bad motherfucker. But then when you actually take all that away and just have a watch of what he's doing, he's a fucking good mixed martial artist, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very, very good fight. And normally I would sit here and go, oh, Jack Della Madalena. I don't know the answer. I do not know the answer to this fight. This is without doubt JDM's toughest test. It's not Kevin Holland's toughest test. Oh. Kevin Holland's been in with what you would class as Hunter. more. He's been in with more elite dudes at a higher weight division. This yeah. is a huge step up for JDM. Yes, we're high on him. Yes, we love him. Yes, we believe he's got all the talent in the world. Kevin Holland's going to ask him some fucking questions at the weekend, let me tell you. Yeah, when you look at Kevin Holland, as you say, you've got to look at... You You, you can only you only really want to focus on his last half a dozen fights because that's when he went back down to welterweight, even though one of those fights in the middle wasn't that welterweight. But he went back down to welterweight. He's had six six fights since the move back down. 
He's beaten Alex Cowboy Oliveira. He's beaten Tim Means. He's lost to Kamzat, but that was up at 180, if you remember. Yeah. He jumped in and moved around on, when Hamzat... On a day's notice. On a day's notice when Hamzat was supposed to be fighting Nate Diaz. There was all that chaos that went on. He was the one that went, go on, I'll fucking fight Hamzat. I don't give a fuck. Fought him at 180, then came back down to welterweight. And for, what was it, like six weeks later, fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Okay. Yeah. He lost that fight. The corner stopped. Awesome performance, though. He was sensational. Good fight of the night. It was an absolutely sensational fight. Since then, this year he's had two fights already. He's bounced back. He's had a knockout in the in the second or third round against Santiago Ponzinibbio, and last time out against Michael Chiesa, he gets a performance of the night bonus for a Darz choke in the first round. <clears throat> he's beaten Ponzinibbio on his own game. He's beaten yeah. Michael Chiesa on his own game. You yeah. know, he's beaten Alex, Alex Oliveira at his own game. He pushed right? Wonderboy at his own game, pushed him. And by the way, Oliveira means Ponzinibbio, Chiesa. Four guys there that are better than anybody Jack Della Maddalena's faced before. Facts. That's facts. They're, that's just his last six fights as well, kids. That's not even getting talking about the likes of Rattori and Brunson and Jacare and people like that. That's not even talking. That's his middleweight time. <laughs> This is his welterweight time that we should be judging him by. So, and then when you look at Jack, okay, he looks like a fucking magnificent talent, and it's easy to get carried away and, and jump on the freight train. And we are absolutely on the train because his UFC run has been exemplary. He comes into the UFC on the back of a Dana White contender series win. He stopped everybody in the first round. One, two, three, four, four straight first round knockouts, three uh, first round finishes, three knockouts, one submission. Three performance bonuses. Like, the guy is the guy. Then in July, his opponent pulls out. He kicks in a last-minute replacement opponent called Basil Faulty. Not his real name. <laughs> real name, Basil Hafez, but Basil Faulty, we'll call him. Basil comes in, and Basil makes a name for himself yeah. by going the distance with Jack Della Maddalena, pushing him to the wire. Now, don't get me wrong. I personally thought Jack won. But it was a split decision. The judges were split. He did. On it. Just. He did win. But just again, another fight of the night. Fantastic. That's four straight performance bonuses from Jack Della Maddalena point of view. And again, don't get me wrong, it's difficult. You take a last minute change of opponents. You've got a game plan for this guy. Another guy comes in. With all due respect to, to Mr. Basil Faulty, he also comes in and it's an element of ah, wait a minute. I thought I was getting a real test here. But unfortunately, I'm going to get this standing opponent that takes something away from your own kind of like, uh, we were around Jack Ladalena. We were in Vegas, weren't we? We were around him that week and he was, you know, he was picking up the pieces a little bit. But that maybe might be the wake-up call that he needed. So there's a couple of different ways to look at this. One, by far the biggest fight of Jack Madalena's career so far. Last time out, he looked mortal. Last time out, if he performed... Basically, if he performs like that, Kevin Holland's going to smash him to bits. Fact. But was that the most perfectly timed wake-up call ever to go, you know what? I I can't third-gear this. And I certainly can't third-gear it against someone like Kevin Holland. So I'm all in on this fight as well, yeah? If Jack Delamadalena pulls this off, this is gigantic. Gigantic, mate. Because then all of a sudden, you can't stop the train. He's in the fucking, what? top 10 comfortably of the of the welterweight division and he's pushing talking about fighting guys in the top five 
it's a huge task. Huge task, because as you've rightfully just pointed out, since going back down to welterweight, Kevin Holland has looked the absolute business. What's in it for Kevin? If he stops the train of a young up-and-coming prospect, someone that everybody's talking about, what's in it for him? Because, like you said, this little run that he's on at Welter has been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, it's typical Kevin Holland, isn't it? Because if you're Kevin Holland's manager or advisors, you must be, you must be, you must have the same haircut as you pulling your hair out because you'd be like, what does this do for us? You yeah, know, you've beaten far better fighters. You've lost to far, you know, top 10 ranked opponents only really when you look at his UFC, both at middleweight and, and welterweight. When he's lost Kevin Holland, it's against ranked dudes. Jack Dallamadalena's just got his tiptoe into the rankings now, and Kevin Holland has accepted a fight with him. McKellar, I don't get it. Kevin Holland, I don't get it. But then, when you watch Kevin Holland, when you've watched Kevin Holland over a period of time, you know this guy had five fights in a calendar year one year. You also realize that Kevin Holland doesn't say no. Kevin Holland is like the current modern-day Cowboy Cerrone. He will fight any fucker. Doesn't matter who the UFC offer him. Kevin Holland's going to fight him. Doesn't matter whether it gets him closer to a title or it doesn't. I think Kevin Holland beats Jack Della Maddalena. He probably doesn't even go up in the rankings. Jack mm. Della Maddalena will. Jack Della Maddalena will jump ahead of Kevin Holland, obviously. Mm. And as you said, he might even climb a few more places. But if Kevin Holland beats him, Kevin Holland won't be jumping above the likes of Ian Gary and stuff like that. Because people go, well, you know, we've seen that, that guy got nearly got beat by Basil. So, yeah, you know, maybe he was a bit of a, you know, a bit too early to put him in the rankings. So it is a bit of a lose-lose for Kevin Holland. But the fans know, you know, we can excuse Jack Della Maddalena bad night at the office because mm. what he's done before that was fucking outstanding. So we know this is a not necessarily a test for Kevin Holland, but a win over Jack Della Maddalena to stop this freight train is massively significant for Kevin Holland. But also it puts Kevin Holland in a position where he can go, right, I've done that now. I did that for the UFC. Bring me now in, get, Gary. Now get me somebody. Now get me an Ian Gary. Now get me a fucking Bilal Muhammad. Now get yeah, me yeah, yeah. And, and call out a name where he will... Obviously, he's not going to call out Shavkat. I think that's clear. I think if... You know, I think if it would have been quite easy here for the UFC. No, Kevin Holland would. Kevin Holland would. He took on Hamza. Mate, he did. I know. The reason why the, the reason why this fight's come about is because obviously Jack Daniel Menelena's last fight fell off, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, he Kevin Holland was booked the week after to take on Chiesa or two weeks after to take on Chiesa. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll do both. I'll put yeah. my hand up, I'll step in last minute to take on Jack Della Madalena. Um blah 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 blah. Didn't materialise. That's why it's come about because They've gone back to him. So, well, you put your hand up last time. You're up for it or what? Yeah, go on, then I'll fucking fight whoever. That's what he does. He yeah. will fight anybody, Kevin Holland. He's proved that time and time and time and time again. Like we keep saying, this is a huge step up for JDM. Yeah. If huge. he can pull, if he can pull it off, he is he's then talking about, I want Ian Gary. I then want this guy. I then want this guy. You know what I mean? Can you imagine JDM versus Ian Gary? Amazing. <laughs> Do you know what? Adam, honestly, I'm just as excited about. Kevin Holland coming off a win over JDM versus Ian Gary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just as excited about that, to be honest absolutely. with you. Absolutely. Because I love Kevin Holland. And I think he's got so much talent and so much ability. Um, but sometimes I think he's also his, his, his own. I think he's his, dialed in though now, mate. I think he's dialed in. I hope so. I hope so. He's, because, he's, listen, I, I still think the, the fight with, because it was Sean Brady 
was supposed to be fighting JDM, wasn't it? Jack Della Madeleine was supposed to be fighting Sean Brady. The Sean Brady fight fell through, which ultimately led to Basel. So I'm surprised that you haven't seen him remade that, but I guess the winner... I don't think he's right yet. I don't think Sean's right yet. Well, what is, where is he now? Eight or nine? Sean Brady's in the top ten. These guys aren't. So maybe the winner, if he is to return early in the new year, will fight Sean Brady or maybe the back end of this year. Maybe that Sean Brady fight is an incentive for the winner to come through. But I'm all in on this fight. I think it's a great fight. Great for Jack Della Maddalena. And maybe not great in the Kevin Holland business, but maybe it is great in the Kevin Holland business because this, this is what the Kevin Holland business looks like. Fight anybody. Listen. It's got the makings of fight of the night. Both of these dudes know exactly what they're doing on the feet. Kevin, as you said, has got fantastic jujitsu. It's going to be interesting to see. If I was to uh, say to you, two outcomes, fight of the night points victory. Yeah. Or fit, like a, a slick finish. Yeah. Would you go with the same winner on both? Yeah. You're going to, you're going to go with Madalena. No. You're going to go with Kevin. You think Kevin Holland wins this any way he wants? I think Kevin Holland... Uh, my, tip for the, my tip for the fight is that Kevin Holland will win it on points. That's what I think will happen. In a fight, it'll be a blockbuster. It'll be great. Jack will have moments. Kevin will have moments, but Kevin will come through over, over 15 minutes and, and win it on points. I would not be surprised if Jack's fucking throwing the kitchen sink at this come by the end of the fight and Kevin finds a submission or something. Some fucking yeah. mad submission or, some, or something like that. Um, but my tip, and I don't know because Jack might be even better than I think he is. But uh, I would, given what I've seen, experience, who he's been in with, all these things, you put it all in a pot and you think Kevin Holland will come through this on point. Agreed. Uh, Howell Rosas Jr., we've seen him live. Uh, and the kids' jujitsu game is absolutely outstanding. What's his stand-up like? He's been um, listen. He's a baby, still learning. Reminds me very much um, a little bit of. Do you remember the pomp that went around Chase Hooper? Woo! Yeah. Let's chuck him in there and see what happens with Chase Hooper. And obviously, against certain level of opponents, against certain styles, looks really, really good. But then, as you flesh it out and start to meet more rounded mixed martial artists, you start to fall short because they see a path to victory because you've got a massive hole in your game. That's where Raul Rosas Jr. is right at this moment. He's still a baby. Yeah. Let's not get too uh, hard on him. Um, but listen, got Mexican heritage to kid. You stick him on a main card on a Mexican bank holiday weekend to try and pump his uh, profile. He's a wicked talker, really nice lad. Very, very good at the thing that he does. Obviously, he needs to flesh it out a touch, and he's he's got a he's got a you know, and and I won't say a nice night on his hands. He's got a tough night on his hands against Ter Ter Terence Mitchell. Of course, it's the UFC, um, but I think he might rise this weekend once again, given uh, given the Mexican fans being right behind him. Yeah, I think last time out they matched them up with a with a kid who's as hot, maybe even hotter a prospect. I think in the aftermath we were like, mate, Rosas Junior is not the kid to watch. This other kid is the kid to watch. Was was it was it Rodriguez or Christian Christian yeah. Rodriguez? Yeah, that's right. He was outstanding that night, and he really got you excited about his future because he was just a baby as well. But the it, it basically highlighted the fact that if Rosas Junior can't get you down and you keep it in the stand up battle, that's where the hole in this game is. And there's no surprise; there's a hole in this game. He's fucking eighteen years of age. He's got a lot to catch up with in certain departments. But his game is the submission game. His game is the grappling game. He wants to take you down. He wants to work for submissions. 
What I like about this fight is that the UFC haven't... They, okay, they, they've given an opponent who's had one fight in the UFC in Terence Mitchell. A one fight that he lost. But he lost to a quality operator in, Cam, in Cameron Seaman. Seaman is Drickus Duplessis' little best mate's training partner. The South Africans, again, another young, super exciting talent. Um, and he beat Terence Mitchell on Mitchell's debut. This is Mitchell's second fight. He's got it all to prove again now in the UFC. But when you look at Mitchell and his career... He's a submission guy as well. He wants to fight on the ground. He fights for submissions. He's got eight submissions in his career. So that's an area he wants to go to. So while Rosas Jr. might be like, yeah, my hands are improving. I'm catching up. I'm getting there. But my wheelhouse is down here. Likewise, Terrence Mitchell's like, mate, you want to go to the ground? I'll go to the ground. That's where I want to be as well. So that's what makes it intriguing. So it might quasi turn out to be another bit of a stand-up battle. Obviously, every fight starts on its feet anyway. So both these guys might kind of like, I, I want to grapple, you want to grapple? Let's kickbox, baby. Do you know what I mean? You never know how these pan out. So, and Rosas Jr., again, it's, I don't think we were overly critical of, us, of him last time because he is such a baby. But unfortunately for him, he's got to develop. He's got to improve on the big show. He's got to get better on the big show. And... You know, it's another big... Okay, it's not a pay-per-view this time, but it may as well be a pay-per-view for what the card is for the world title fight at the top of it. It'll probably do bigger numbers than some pay-per-views because it's free and it's Mexican Independence Day weekend. And he's going to come out with a sombrero on and he's got the whole heritage and everything else. And it'll be an amazing pop for him. When that cage door closes, the the memories of the Rodriguez fight will be there and he'll want to go to his wheelhouse. But the point is, again, that's Mitchell's wheelhouse too. So I like it. It's a nice bit of matchmaking by the UFC. No one deserves a gimme in this in this organization. And that includes 18-year-old prospects that Dana's high yeah. on. I think if you're Mitchell, you try and keep it on the feet, Matt. I really I think Rossus Jr.'s uh jujitsu is exceptional. We were there, weren't we, on that debut? We watched the kid, the way that he uses the, the cage, everything about his of how precise he is and how patient and calm he is. You think to yourself, fuck me, you don't want to grapple with that fucker, right? Nope. Um, and you're right in what you're saying. It is, that's where Mitchell comes from too. But that experience of being in the UFC and what we saw last time out from Ross's Jr., if you're Mitchell, all you've done in this camp is fucking hit pads, man. That's what yeah. you've been doing. You've been hitting, practicing kicks, practicing... Uh, straight shots, and if he can keep this, because I would imagine that Terence Mitchell's takedown defense is solid enough, solid enough. If you keep enough. this on the feet, that's where you would want Rosses Junior. You don't want him fucking hunting around your ankles. You don't, you don't want him doing that because he's he's a finisher. Um, again, another intrigue. Whereas, uh, like in the main event, I was saying I want to see how Valentina Shevchenko bounces back. That championship mentality. I want to know what Raul Rosses Junior is all about now. You've been mm-hmm. asked the question, son. You fell short. Sound. Mm-hmm. No, there's no shame in that. Now we're going to find out what you're really all about. Have you got it? Have you got it upstairs? Have you gone away? Have you worked on certain deficiencies? Have you come back? Are you, are you going to show us something new this weekend against a solid level of opponent? Let's go, man. Let's see what you're all about. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is giving you a hard-on on this card? Uh, that Daniel Zellhuber, who's also on the main card as well, a young Mexican. He's He was... I think he was like 11, 12 and 0 coming into the UFC. Comes into the UFC, loses his UFC debut, wins uh, his second fight in the UFC. So he's finally had his arm raised inside the octagon now. 
prior to coming into the UFC, he had like a 90% finish rate. He's got good hands. He's based in Vegas, that extreme couture. You've matched him with that. Christos Giagos, um, who fights out of California, I think it is. But Giagos is, okay, he's, he's been in the UFC a lot longer. He's had a, a half a dozen fights or more now. Um, but he's also um, fought against a much higher level of guy. You know, he's, okay, he's got losses on there, but he's losing to the likes of fucking Armin Suzuki and he's losing to losing to Drakkar closer. People like that. People with a ton of experience. Got a few performance bonuses in there as well. So that's an intriguing fight. Can Zell Huber find his fight finishing techniques again that he had outside the UFC? This is a big, big card for him. Again, all that from now to the bottom, all the left corners like Rosas Jr., Zell Huber, Padilla, Godinez. You know, this, this is your Mexican backbone of this Mexican celebration card. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on these guys to deliver but there's no better place to deliver than in front of your own fans. Just looking down the prelims and seeing if there's anything jumping off the uh, off the page for me. I suppose Roman Kopilov last time out, he looked good, didn't he? Um, with that knockout uh, victory, he's taking on Josh Friend, who's probably more of a grappler. So that's decent, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Mexican flavour actually on the uh, on the prelims, isn't there? Yeah, man. Uh, Reyes. Reyes. Not the UFC's yeah. first rodeo, man. They know what they're doing. Lupita uh, Godinez. Yeah, mate. Listen, for a fight night, it's right up there. For oh a yeah, fight night card. It is absolutely right up there. Obviously, we were blessed um, last year when we got UFC Paris. We were blessed when we got UFC London. Um, and. This is this is basically UFC Mexico in Vegas, isn't it? This is basically what this is, and they've stuck a, a title fight on the on it as well. Uh, all set to be uh, all set to be a good weekend. Are, are you tipping and new in the final, or are you saving it for your next picks? I, I'm going to save it for my next picks. Yeah, I'll save it for my next picks because uh, you know traditionally when I do when I do women's fights in the next picks, they don't do that. Don't do too well numbers wise on YouTube anyway. So I definitely don't want to take away any uh, any any listeners whatsoever in terms of uh, getting some eyeballs on it. Um, so yeah, I've got a good take on it. You know, I think I broke down two ways. I can see the fight playing out earlier on on the show. So yeah, and do you know what? I'll be totally honest. It's fucking it's forty. It's ten ten forty on Thursday, and I'm still I'm still I haven't got a clear outlook on what I think the uh, the winner's going to be. I really don't. Sign of a good fight. Sign mm-hmm. of a good fight. So make sure you're tuning into that uh, in the early hours of Sunday morning or Sunday morning with your cocoa pops. Have a little bit of a nosy in on it and then make sure you come back next week for our uh, our take uh, on how Notche UFC uh, plays out at the T-Mobile Arena. Bit jealous, actually, if you've got a ticket because the atmosphere yeah. is going to be madness, man. It's going to be mm. absolutely crazy. Just, just hope you haven't got a room booked at the MGM. <laughs> hopefully you're up at the win. Yeah, hopefully you've gone to the win at the top end, yeah? You're getting looked after up there. Yeah, all, all the cheap fuckers at the Luxor are like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I've got a room. Uh, before we sign off, I just want to do a quick shout-out to um, uh, someone who I know, uh, a fighter from UK MMA scene, a young prospect, a young pro that's super excited, and we've spoken about him on this show before, if you remember. Earlier this year, he took he went over to Ireland, took on one of SBG, one of John Kavanagh's hot prospects over there. They put in a fight of the night 
between them. He's a young fighter that's also a coach based out of Liverpool called Liam McCracken. Uh, and, and I rave about Liam on here on, on numerous occasions over the last few years about not only the mentality and the talent of the kid, but also him as an individual, absolutely top guy. Everybody who trains with him, who knows him, who fought against him, uh, knows that he's a true gentleman. And unfortunately, a couple of days ago, he was out on a run. He was due to the headline uh, a card in Manchester at the end of October, early November. He was the main event for that fight. Uh, and unfortunately, he's, he's obviously been pulled from that now. He was out having a run um, the other day and got hit by a bus, which sounds and in reality is as bad as it sounds. You know, I don't obviously don't know the specific details of it, but he was out having a run. He was cutting weight. He's got his mind focused on this fight. Uh, and he got hit by a, a double-decker bus, and it was pretty bad, to be totally honest with you. And some of his injuries are quite serious. You know, he's got some broken bones in his spine, broken bones, pelvis, broken some ribs, got some broken bones in his legs. So, it, it you know, it, it's fucking hit him. Like, uh, luckily enough, he put something on his Instagram last night. He's got tubes coming out of everywhere. He'd it come out of his first surgery. And he said, you know, typical, you know, I'll get TKO'd by a bus. So his spirits are up. His spirits are up. Thankfully, I spoke to his coaches at Aspire. They said there's no brain injury. There's no spinal damage. So hopefully this is something that he can make a complete recovery from. It is going to be a long journey back for him. I don't know whether you were dialed in yesterday, but my social media across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram was just completely covered in in people appealing for him. There is a GoFundMe page set up for him. That's because he's got a young par partner and a young baby. This is all he does. Like, this is all he does. He trains MMA, he competes in MMA, and he coaches MMA. In fact, he even coaches my son's class on occasion as well. So, yeah, if you can, reach out. There's a GoFundMe page. It's on my social medias now for Liam McCracken. Anything you can spare, just just help the family, help him pay his bills until he's uh, able to get back on his feet. And he will be back on his feet, and he will be a name, as I've said before, that will come out and be a star for UK MMA, Liam McCracken. So, and if you listen to this, Liam, or watching this, mate, everyone's thinking about you. Good luck with your rehabilitation. Take your time, and I look forward to seeing you back in the gym soon enough, stronger than ever. Well said. Um, and on that note, uh, as Nick said, it'll be across his social media, so you can pay a visit there and also pay a visit to our website as well, fightdisciples.com, where you can subscribe to the Fight Disciples podcast, whether that is via audio or via visual. There's a link there to our YouTube channel. Fight Disciples is what you are looking for. Some great fights this weekend coming out of Las Vegas. Looking forward to watching all of those and obviously getting back with you on Monday to give you a full review. So make sure you come and join us. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.